the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The New Covenant and the New You. That's The New Covenant and the New You, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with the first portion of the New Covenant and the New You. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that as we are into the Word of God, that more significantly Christ has come into the world and He is the living Word. I want to thank you, Father, that in His name there is life. That in the name of the Son of God we can start over. That the New Covenant means a new you. And that we can be renovated because of the grace that has come to us in Jesus. Father, give us spiritual focus as we open the Scriptures. And as we then partake of the bread, which represents the broken body of Christ today. May we understand more deeply what it means to be in Jesus Christ. In His name, Amen. Have you ever called 911? Anyone here ever called 911 on the telephone? You have? I have too. Now you call 911 when there's an emergency, don't you? But an emergency, is it not a matter of interpretation these days? What is an emergency for you may not be an emergency for me. Now, for a woman in Kerryville, Texas, it was an emergency of extreme importance. 911, as I said, is the number you call when you need help. If someone's in danger, if someone's seriously threatened, you get on, you punch it into your cell phone. 911, dun, dun, dun. That's right, three sounds. And then you hear the operator on the other side. And as the operator on the side or the dispatcher received the call, she heard a death-curdling scream. Ah! And then the phone hung up, clunk, or zzz, And then it was a steady dial tone. The dial tone sounded like a flat-lined heartbeat on a cardiac monitor. You ever hear that? It was a mixture of Halloween and bad medicine all at once. The dispatcher quickly sent a police officer to her home. I mean, she was expecting the worst. And when they arrived, they found a distraught woman who was at her wit's end. It was a raw emergency. She had called 911. And she told the officers in a frantic kind of way that her husband had refused to eat his dinner. Officer, what do you do when your husband refuses to eat his dinner? I had to call 911. Officer, make him eat his dinner. I don't know what was on that plate, but it must have been pretty bad. Now, most husbands will eat their dinner to make their wives happy, even if it isn't all that good. Am I right? No amens here. Am I right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The police assessed the situation. And the officers gave her husband some marital relief that day. They arrested her instead of him. She is now facing charges for 911 abuse. And her husband is off the hook. He doesn't have to eat her dinner anymore. And it looks like he doesn't have to eat it for a long time because this woman's going to jail. 
Now, there are people today who treat the Lord's Supper like a bad dinner with a bad menu. They avoid church at communion because they are afraid of sitting down and eating with God on God's terms. Some feel they're unworthy. Others feel it doesn't matter. There are many reasons people have for avoiding the Lord's Supper, but there are no good reasons for avoiding the Lord's Supper. In the book of Revelation, Christ makes his last appeal to the final church era in the special message that is the letter or the appeal to the church of Laodicea. And Christ's personal appeal to his end time church comes before the end of all things. And just before the last emergency, when everything breaks loose on this planet, just before there is no relief, just before the final conflict, when the entire world will enter the hour of trial that is coming upon it, Christ sends a love appeal to his end time church. And he says in Revelation 3.19, Those whom I love, I reprove and chasten, so be zealous and repent. And then he says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now people eat for different reasons. Some eat because they're gluttons. They just want food all the time. In fact, at our potluck fellowships, I notice there are some people who come to our fellowship meal dinners at the end of the worship service. They avoid the word of God. They show up to get a plate and leave. Oops, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Now, I want you getting a plate of food to eat. But you know what? The Word of God is what matters most, is it not? Now, some people I've noticed don't even care what kind of food it is they eat. Have you ever met someone like that? Just food all the time? Now, my cat Harley is a glutton, I have to admit it. He's well on his way to becoming a fat cat. I mean, he eats all the time. You have a dish there, he'll eat out of it. Now, others eat because they have to. Children are like this. Not all children, but most children. You give them food and they say... Oh, mom, do I have to eat this pancake with this rotten molasses on it, mom? And the mother says, yes. But most people eat because they need to. Isn't that not true? Most of us are not in these different areas. We eat because we know if we don't, we die. Your cells need new enzymes. Your blood needs new supplies of glucose. Your bones need new sources of calcium. Your body needs new nutrients to be renewed. And if you don't eat, there's no new you, right? It doesn't take long for the old to die if you don't eat. If you don't come to the table, there is no renewing of you. Christ calls His last day church to the table because it cannot be renewed unless it has fellowship with Him at the table. Anyone who wants to live forever must come to the table of the Lord and be renewed. It is the new covenant experience. It is God's way of making real what Christ has accomplished on the cross for you. Now when God made covenants in the Old Testament, the covenant was very often linked to a meal. They would literally cut an animal in two. The different parties would pass between the parts to show that if they didn't keep the covenant, they'd be cut in two. It was a very good motivation to keep your end of the deal. But then they would very often eat the sacrificial animal as a fellowship bond to seal the covenant. In Hosea 6-7, the Bible says, Adam broke the covenant with God in the Garden of Eden. 
We know how he did it. He simply ate from the wrong tree. He misused the gift of food in the wrong way. And when God called the children of Israel to Mount Sinai and he made the covenant with them, again we find that God calls 70 elders of the nation of Israel up into the mountain and they see the God of Israel through this blue sapphire throne enthroned and they eat and drink with God on the mountain. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Nothing like that had ever happened since the fall of mankind that God had brought people into his presence to fellowship and eat with them. We have it recorded in Exodus 24 verse 9. The Bible says that Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel and there was under his feet as it were a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And God did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, they ate and drank. I mean, this is an amazing event in the plan of salvation. God has a fellowship meal with former slaves on a holy mountain in the presence of his throne. Now, this story is curiously parallel to an account found in the Ugaritic tablets of Rosh Shemara, which predate the Exodus account. God is doing this intentionally to make a statement because something had been placed in lore that something had been found in the pagan religions, he wanted to speak to that false concept of God. And in this discovery of the Ugaritic tablets, there is a document which records the inauguration of the palace of Baal. Baal is best understood as Baal Zaphon, which means the Lord or King of the North. When you read Daniel chapter 11, you encounter the King of the North, you should be thinking of Baal, because Baal was the King of the North. He was that antichrist power that tried to take the place of Christ before Christ ever came. And so we find a false theological system, a false God and the like. And so in this system, there is an inauguration of the palace of Baal. And when his sanctuary was built, there was a big party and no people were invited to fellowship with the gods. Only the gods were invited. Now here's an excerpt from a translation by Nick Wyatt. It says, and build a house of silver and gold, a house of jewels and lapis lazuli. Does anyone know what color lapis lazuli is? It's blue. In fact, many translators will substitute the word sapphire for lapis lazuli because there's some confusion. It doesn't mean sapphire or this. It was a blue, brilliant stone. Now God, when he invited the elders of Israel up into the mountain, he is thrown with sapphire, the Bible says. Now, Baal Zaphon, the king of the north, I'm reading again, here's what he did. It says, he invited his brothers into his house, his kinsmen into the midst of his palace. He invited the 70 sons of Asherah. Now, how many sons went up into the mountain? Here are the gods. 70 gods go into the mountain. How many of the children of Israel went up to eat with God in Exodus 24? 70. It's a direct parallel. He gave wine to drink to the ram gods. He gave to drink to the ewe gods. He gave wine to drink to the ox gods. He gave to drink to the cow goddesses. He gave wine to drink to the throne gods. He gave to drink to the chair goddesses. He gave wine to drink to the amphora gods. And he gave to drink to the jar goddesses. I mean, you have a bunch of drunk gods on the mountain there with Baal. While they ate, the gods drank. I mean, that's the key theme here. They got drunk on Baal's mountain. Seventy gods were invited to the big party, the big drinking fest for Baal. But no people were invited to the feast, only the gods. What kind of God is Baal? He's the kind of God that keeps people out of his party. Seventy gods can come up, but keep the people out. 
Dear heart, the God of the Bible is not a God who has a palace that is exclusive. He's a God that is not so high and mighty that He keeps you and me out of His parties. In the Bible, God calls ordinary people to His feast to find Him, to know Him, to stand before His throne and to feel the presence of God bringing life into their experience. He calls men and women who need Him up the mountain. His palace and His sapphire throne are not off limits to those who are hungry for the stuff of eternity. At Sinai, 70 elders, common men, went up the mountain to feast with God beneath the sapphire throne. And today, God invites men and women from everyday walks of life to come up the mountain and feast at God's throne. The night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took the time to sit down with His disciples and show them how to eat. Dear heart, you cannot receive Jesus unless you learn how to eat. We find Christ the closest when we come to the table seeking eternity at the table with Him. And just before He was crucified, Christ established the new covenant which is wrapped around the events of this table. The new covenant that is not just to teach us, it is to bring us into the experience of grace so that we know that we have eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Mark 14, 22, the Bible says, As they were eating, Christ took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the few. What? You're sleeping. It's poured out for the, the many. Your heart, the feast in the palace of Baal was for the few. Christ's blood is for the many. His feast is for the many. He died so many people can come to the table. He didn't die to feed a remnant alone that thinks they're better than others. No, He came to die for a remnant and the many. And so He gave Himself, He poured Himself out for the many. You know, that timeless text in John 3.16 is still the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to be the whosoever of that verse, don't you? I mean, the whosoever is the person who lives in the bottom of the barrel as far as the strata of earth's social structures are concerned. That person is the person who cries out to God wherever he is on the world and he seeks the mercy of God. You see, the grace of God doesn't come to those who think they have it already. It comes to those who need it. And so his blood was poured out for the many. Christ's body is the bread and his blood is the wine. And in the Gospel of John, the question was asked to Jesus after he fed the 5,000, what matters in life? John six twenty eight. they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's like saying we want to be God too. You ever done that in your life? Well, I want to do the mighty work for God. I want to show the world how good a spiritual superstar I am. That's what they were asking. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Righteousness by works is when you try to be a little God yourself by doing the works of God that only God can do in you. Jesus points the hungry away from self to the one who was sent into the world to save every soul that cannot save itself. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. So many people want to get to heaven by doing something on their own. They want to do some mighty work that shows God that they believe. It makes you feel good when you do something, doesn't it? 
You do something for God and you pat yourself on the back and you say, I have grown up as a Christian. I'm well on my way to sainthood. Makes you feel important when you do something like that. But Jesus says, you want to do something? Here it is. Believe in me. Do that. And that's the most important thing you can do in life. Believe in the one whom God has sent. Some people say, well, that's easy religion, preacher. Now, if it's so easy, then why will so many people be lost? I ask that question. It's not easy to believe in Jesus because it is human nature to believe in yourself. It's human nature to put your faith in you. The medieval church taught that faith in works has merit in the judgment day. It taught that what you do has grace qualities to it, that it commends you to God enough to where it becomes part of the package of God's acceptance. And so they taught that what you do contributes to God's goodness toward you. And that's why the mass of the Middle Ages was a corruption of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It taught men and women that the cross of Jesus Christ was not enough to save you. you got to do something to make God save you. Christ had to be sacrificed again and again in that medieval theology to appease God at the communion table because the cross was unfinished business. It was a direct denial of the truth of Hebrews that says that Christ died once and for all, that His sacrifice is sufficient to cleanse the conscience. And the Greek says He died into the perpetuity, into the forever. It was a denial of that. And so instead of taking living bread... At the communion service, they turned the bread of life into dead bread on a table. And so the mass took the place of the cross. And this is not the kind of religion that Jesus gave us. So they said, what must we do to do the works of God? And Christ said, you must believe in the one whom God has sent. Dear heart, there are many things you can do, but there is nothing you can do to make God love you. There are many things you can do in life for your family and for others, but there is nothing you can do to commend yourself to God in the judgment day. Your utter need is that of grace. And what you need to stand before a righteous God is a righteousness you do not have. And so Christ said, you must believe in the one that God has sent. That's your only way out of here. That's your ticket into eternity. That's the work of God. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now, we live in an age when people are looking for religious signs. The Fatima miracle that occurred early part of the 20th century was an amazing phenomena. The sun danced across the sky. It looked as if Mary had appeared to three children, giving them divine instruction as to what they must do to prepare the world for the end of time. It was an amazing event. But if you ever read the Fatima Revelation, it's very clear that what Mary was supposedly telling those children was, try and be better. Try and do better. It was nothing but righteousness by works all over again. And if you take the Scripture and you line up that miracle with it, you have to reject that as a sign from God because it does not line up with Scripture. God has not come to exhort you to be better. He has come in Christ to tell you that the only way out of here is to fall at the knees of Jesus and to cling to Him as your Savior by faith. And any system, any miracle that's at odds with that is not from God. So they wanted signs and works instead of faith that works through Jesus Christ alone. Now Christ had just performed a miracle in the story. It wasn't good enough for them. Now when you base your faith on signs and wonders, you can never have enough signs to believe in Jesus. Subjective religion without objective truth 
is false religion that is always searching for a better fix than the last time you shot up religiously. And that's not the way God's Word works. When men and women will not accept a living faith that is rooted in Jesus Christ, they turn to feeling religion. They turn to religiosity or they turn to tradition. Verse 31, they said, Our fathers ate man in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now you think you're something, Jesus, don't you, they say. Beat Moses and his bread. See if you can top the manna that fell out of the sky. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then verse 34, Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, dear heart, you don't have to figure out what needs to go on your table based on this verse. We have clarity as to what you need to eat and what needs to go into you to live forever. Christ said, I am the focus. I am the bread of life. The table is God's table, and the food is Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. What He did at the cross is good enough to make you new. It's good enough to give you eternal life. Christ died for the many, not the few. His food gives life to the world, not the privileged. In John 6, 47, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. You know, we make religion so complicated sometimes that we rob the gospel of its strength. Dear heart, there should not be any qualifiers. If you have come to Christ... If you have given your life to Christ, if you are in Christ by faith, you are alive because you belong to Jesus Christ. And that is the bottom line reality of your future existence. I am that I am is God's name at the burning bush. And Christ uses this sacred name again and again in the Gospel of John to describe Himself. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread of life. God's name is His covenant name. I am means, according to the prophet Isaiah, I am here in a covenant relationship to save you. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm God's new covenant of grace, given for you, broken for you, a life you could not find God has given to you. I have come to be that life. In John 6, 53, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Eschatology, which means the study of end-time events, is based on Christology, the study of Jesus Christ. External life on the last day is the result of feasting on Jesus Christ today. What you do with Him now determines what He will do with you then. The one who comes to the table today will be resurrected on the last day for the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you like coming to the table, if you find your life in taking life from Christ, you will find life in the resurrection. Jesus is the food that renews. Christ is the food that makes you live forever. The question is not, what must you do to do the works of God? The question is this, Will you come to the table and accept God's finished and perfect work for you? 
That's the question. Will you accept and believe in the one whom God has sent? The new covenant is God's way to recreate you, to make you have a life that is new, to give you life where there was none, to forgive you, to hold you, to pardon you, and to resurrect you at the end. It sounds too easy to be saved like this, preacher. That's what some might be saying here. Come to Jesus and live? Sounds like cheap grace. Come to the table and take the bread of life? Feast on Jesus' life and death and that's what I need to do to live? No, come on preacher, too easy. It's too easy to be true, you say. Let me ask you this question. If it's so easy, then why did the majority leave Jesus when he offered them this kind of eternal life in John chapter 6? If it's so easy, look at verse 66 of John 6. And after this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. Thanks for listening today. If this message is ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time, and have been inspired by this sermon, and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts, and you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism, in a variety of forms, is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world, and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books, and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment, even. We have this free book to help you understand things a little bit better, entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.